This is season six of the Team Roping Journals podcast, The Score. With over two million downloads, this is where Team Ropers talk. This week's episode is brought to you by Gold Buckle Horse Sales. Gold Buckle Horse Sale has come up with a process to take the guesswork out of finding the right horse and allowing both buyer and seller to find the perfect match with confidence. Each horse consigned through Gold Buckle Sales is professionally photographed, videoed, and demoed by a professional Gold Buckle Pro. You'll learn more about this program during this week's commercial break, but to look into consigning your own horse or viewing the current horses listed on their site, visit goldbucklehorsesale.com. So you're going to hear at the beginning of this interview with Clint that I haven't had him on the score since episode 17 of season one. And I'll put it as a link in the bio of this episode and on the um, on Team Roping Journal so you can catch up with it because I listened to it back before I recorded this episode and I realized that Clint and I covered a lot of ground that I still don't think just a ton of people know about him because uh, especially back in season one, podcasting was new to the Western world. People hadn't listened to a ton of the score. So unless you've started way back at the beginning with those episodes with Aaron Sinigini and Trevor Brazil and Billy Jack Sabins that kind of kicked this show off, you might not have heard Clint's whole backstory, which I think is really valuable for people who are dreaming of a career in professional rodeo, or at least dreaming of a career in the horse industry, or dreaming of a career that involves team roping at some in some way, shape, or form. Because Clint's story is very much a, you know, kid comes from Florida, has to learn the ropes figuratively and literally has to learn uh, who to rely on, how to rodeo, all of that stuff. He didn't have anything just naturally uh, a built in from the from the ground up. So go back, listen to episode 17 of season one. It is in the bio of this episode, so you don't have to look for it too hard. Um, now, on this episode, we're going to talk about what has happened in Clint's career since his first NFR in 2018, which, if you remember correctly, was on the heel side. Uh, we, so we talk, of course, about his transition to heading, what he learned at his first finals on the head side, which he did not have a great time for the record, as well as the battle to get back to the finals and this do or die last month of the pro rodeo season. Plus, we're going to cover Clint's horses because if you're thinking of Clint Summers, you can't think of him without thinking of great horses. Clint is Clint goes hand in hand with great head horses, and we cover the past, present, future of Clint's heading career in this episode. So enjoy today's episode of The Score with Clint Summers. Okay, Clint. I am glad that we finally are going to do this again because, like I said, when I was talking to you before we started, it has been five, seven, no, 2018. How many years ago was that? Six years ago. Six, five years, five years ago. Math is hard. Five years ago <laughs> since we did this. So, and on that podcast, I told people in the I told people in the intro to this episode that they really need to go back and listen to the first podcast that we did with you. It was episode 17 of season one because we go over your whole history coming to Flor- coming from Florida to Texas and making the transition. And now we have a whole other shift to discuss in, <laughs> in making the transition to heading. This will be your second National Finals Rodeo on the head side. I, I know like to say, what have you learned in the last couple of years heading would be a silly question, but I am going to ask like, what massive changes have you had to make to, to what you do and your program to become, you know, one of the very few NFR switch genders? Uh, what, what if, what, yeah, what are, so talk about, 
I guess the horse side of things, you sold all of the heel horses how many years ago? Yes. Three years ago? Yep. I did, yes. Three years ago, I sold my last one. Mm-hmm. And it's just been head horses from here on out. Obviously, I did buy yeah. a heel horse, I don't know, a year or two ago. I thought maybe I could get my heel number lowered and I could heal a little bit. But yeah, right. They, they didn't go for that. No. So I sold that <laughs> horse, too. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine they'd go for that. Uh, nice try, though. But no, it's just horses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Head horses, and then the uh, I, I think you know, being here, I, I kind of talked about it in the very first podcast. I kind of remember a little bit about that deal. Was mm-hmm. I remember I, I finally yeah, I committed myself, you know, yeah. I was gonna be here full time and do whatever it took. And it kind of the same thing when I adjusted and went to the head side, I, I had to make up my mind, hey, if you're gonna do this, you know, you're starting over, you're you know, it ain't like I've been doing this my whole life, so it's fixing to be a whole new deal. So I had to dang sure work super hard, and I still do every day because I'm by far not where I want to be yet. And uh, I work at it hard as I can every day and try to get the absolute best horses I can find. And uh, I don't know. I just I think all that goes into it. You know, if you don't, if you ain't always trying to find a better horse, the year behind, I think. Mhm. And the good ones, like rodeoing, is so tough on them. And you, with JV, you stayed on JV quite a bit when you had, or when you were riding him the whole season. And then trans- yeah. transmission, and now Joe. How how have you found maintaining a head horses at the professional level? Like, what's that struggle like? Well, honestly, to me, it really ain't nothing different than riding them every day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a normal routine. I've been lucky enough. The, the few that I have had have been super good and, and, you know, pretty much took care of me. Um, they've all they've all stayed running, you know, scoring. Uh, pretty much I've been lucky enough to when I backed in there, I didn't have to worry about much except for my roping. Mm-hmm. And And I knew that's what I needed when I started heading. I knew whatever horses I need, what I was going to buy, I didn't need to have to be worried about anything. When I got in the box, I didn't need to worry if he's going to stand there, if he's going to get in the corner and go ahead and get me all jacked up, you know, worried if I were going to score. Uh, I knew I knew I had to have one that all I had to worry about was roping. And uh, I have actually been fortunate enough on that, that all three of them that I've rode the past three years have just been excellent on that part. Yeah. Now, a little birdie named Caleb Driggers told me that you were like a tough, tough reacher when you were a kid. Um, and yeah. that, like nobody could outreach you at the junior rodeos. <laughs> um, yeah. How did you, did you bring any of that reaching game or I mean, to this, this stage of your career? Honestly, you know, Caleb, he does give me crap about that quite a bit. Uh, you know, <laughs> like if I get down and start struggling or something, and get mad at myself me and Emily talk quite a bit you know we grew up together best friends and and he'll say you know quit worrying about this just just reach just do what you used to do he's like you used to reach so much and then now you don't you don't ever reach and I'm like yeah I don't feel like I have to anymore and he's like well you ought to do like you used to do because you were ranked and I'm like well yeah and then but honestly I didn't think about it until like I would I would hear him telling me this mm-hmm and I haven't really put none of it back in play. I have here lately, I feel like, the past year. 
I worked out a little bit more because my horses were so fast. I don't know if it makes sense. My horses were so good and so fast, and I was just starting heading. It was like I was I was along for the ride. They were taking me to the horn. Like, every time I nodded my head, they were just taking me to the horns. Mm-hmm. I wasn't worried about reaching. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my horses were ahead of me instead of trying to figure out how to get ahead of them, even though they were so good that I could reach a little bit as well. I never reached. But here lately, over the past year, I've been trying to bring it back a little bit because I did when I was younger. I mean, obviously, we grew up, you know, back east, and we went to lots of slides. That's what me, me and Caleb kind of did back when we were kids. And, and we would reach every, every – I mean, every rope you went to, that's what you do when you're back in the box. You sure. You reach. All, all three or four steers, however many rounds it was, you reached every time. And then – so I feel like I'm getting more comfortable with my head, and if I mean, if that makes sense. And Yeah. Uh, our horses are still running and still fast, but I'm trying to get where – I can get ahead of them where I can reach a little bit on them as well. Mm-hmm. And you, and so that kind of, I mean, it was, it was maybe around September 15th or 20th when Caleb might've mentioned that to me that you could really reach and he wishes you would a little bit more. Um, so yeah. I feel like uh, maybe a week later in Sioux Falls, did you feel like you had to reach there i mean maybe well, i just i had to step my i had to step my game up yeah and there was no doubt that i that i could do it i felt like yes hey i can do it i mean i grew up pretty much doing it like i said like it slides and the little amateur rodeos and stuff growing up i knew i could but it was just the the fact that i had to put it in play mm-hmm. and i mean i told myself and and me and him had talked all through the end of the year here, I knew it was going to pretty much come down to that deal. So mm-hmm. I knew I had nothing to lose. And it's like, hey, either you do it or you're going to be sitting at the house come December. So I just trusted in what I feel like I did my whole life and hope, you know, like the muscle memory and everything else just took over. And it did. My horse was outstanding and it worked. Uh, did you feel confident as soon as, as soon as you nodded your head and – you know, one, two swings and the rope came out of your hand, were you like money as soon as you let go of the rope or were you? Yeah, honestly, I felt money. Uh, when, when I got the start, I got, uh, the, the eight man and the four man. Mm-hmm. When, when I, when I let go of transmission and I felt the start that I was getting, I, I knew, like, I knew if I messed up, it was, it was fixing. It was going to be a freak because it felt. It just felt very, very comfortable. I guess is what I mean. Yeah. And I felt like it should be. Hey, just rope the horns, turn. And you're plenty fast enough. Um, not one. Not one time did I feel like I was out of whack. Yeah. And it's so funny that transmission is so great on those short scores because he is probably was he the biggest head horse there yes he's so big he is he's, he's bigger than jv we was comparing him the other day here at the house since we've been back home mm-hmm. Brittany always argues with me about it and i'm like i promise transmission is taller he ain't quite as long as jv yeah but he's taller than jv is and it's crazy he can move his feet like he can i mean you can't you that horse you can't get him in a bind he will he'll come out of it i promise you every time mm-hmm. and 
So let's rewind on Transmission and make sure we get his whole story because Transmission's yep. been one of my favorite head horses for more than a decade. Um, yep. I loved I loved when Jay rode him. I love Rooster. I love that they're half brothers. Um, yeah, yeah. Why? I mean, and obviously, he, uh, Transmission was in my circuit for the time that JB had him, so I got to see right. him every weekend go. Why? Right. How did How did you owning Transmission come to be? Um. I ended up with transmission because I was looking for a horse in 21 for the finals and I didn't know what I was going to do. I've been at Trev's. I rode some of his and we were back and forth. I didn't really have nothing that I felt like was just jam up over there. Um, I was actually going to end up just taking one of Trevor's and, uh, I knew that transmission had come up for sale and he was older and won a bunch of money. Obviously, he's a great horse. And I was like, I ain't doing it. I ain't doing it. So then I took a little trip, and I come back, and they called me and said, hey, we'll only take a little bit less. wasn't much, but we would. And uh, my dad has always told me, he said, hey, it don't cost nothing to try one. He said, yeah, and you don't ever know what they are unless you go try them. So I, I got to thinking about it. And transmission, I'm just like you has always been one of my favorite head horses. Mm-hmm. Even when I first got out here healing in my rookie year, 2012, he was one of my favorites. And uh, so I called my dad, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to go try that horse. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try it. He's like, all right. And I told him exactly what he's always told me. I said, you said it don't cost nothing to try him. I said, and he's always been a favorite. So I went and rode him. I went to Cody Snow's house. That's where he was at. And uh, Snow didn't have nothing but muleys. And uh, I was like, well, crap, I want to rope some horns, you know. But I ran four muleys, and I knew from the very first muley I ran, I said, I told Ross, he was with me. I said, man, this is the best head, head horse I ever rode. Mm-hmm. He, he said, really? I said, I promise you, however he looks, he feels ten times better. And uh, so we left that night, called Dad, and I said, hey, listen, I don't know what I got to do, but I need you to buy me this horse. And he's like, man, that horse is old, da 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 you know, old spill. And I said, well, I need him. I said, he'd be great at the finals and everywhere else. I said, you know, if we can keep him going. So he said, well, get him to the house. It wasn't, it wasn't, but, you know, two or three weeks before the finals in 21. And uh, he said, rope some of them Mexicans on him and, and see how he feels doing that. And then call me back. So I did. It was great. I went and got him vetted. And I ended up with him. And I didn't feel like I had him very long like i said before the finals and i was just kind of getting with him and then now i guess i feel like i'm transmission i'm i feel like i've had him my whole life now honestly mm-hmm. uh, he's old but he's still got a lot of fire to him yeah and now the finals well i love transmission is I mean, like we said, he's one of my favorite head horses of all time. I think he should be one of everybody's favorite head horses of all time because he's just been so yeah. cool for so long. But your yeah. fi- first finals on the head side did not go how you wanted it no, to go. It didn't. How was that week? Like, how did how was surviving that week mentally? Well, it was it was tough, you know, because growing up, you watch some of the finals, and it seems like there's always a team or two every year that has a hard time, you know. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't obviously you don't want to be that team if you, if you ever make it. You know, you don't, you know, they got to be feeling horrible. And it's like, man, I, I don't ever want to be that. Well, I went there first round. I have a steer with small horns. Freaking pop it off. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And I feel like truthfully, 
the NFR setup, Sioux Falls setup, Calgary, them setups, <clears throat> there's a lot of setups back east that are that way. And I used to go to them all the time, even when I was a healer, and I would head at them, like, yeah. like we were talking about earlier. And I was super comfortable with it. And uh, I just didn't, didn't feel like, I felt like I was a little bit nervous, I guess, just being new to heading. I finally made it. I shouldn't have been. I had a great horse. But obviously, I had the jitters just a little bit. I felt like I come back after the first round, uh, turned a few good ones. We just had some tough luck, and then I, I missed another one. And uh, and then I felt like round about round seven, I felt like me and Transmission started getting like our stuff together. Like I felt super comfortable with him. I had figured out, you know, how how to score him the correct way at, at that deal because. I mean, I had never rode him in competition uh, until the NFR. And uh, I don't know. It just – it was a it was a rough road there at first out there. You know, I mean, I was happy to be there, obviously, but I was struggling in my mind too because I wanted to be on top and I was at the bottom. What advice did you get when you were, when you were going through that? Did you call somebody? Did you, did you look for advice? Were you just fighting it inside your head by yourself? What, what was going on? No, I didn't. I didn't really call anybody. Uh, obviously, Trevor was out there, and I would see him a few days, you know, or every day for a few hours or so, and and we would talk about it. And he's like, just keep, you know, keep going, just keep battling, do what you do, whatever, you know. Uh, don't look back. You gotta. He's always told me that you gotta have short term memory, and uh, I just felt. I felt like I had to get, I was just in a little bit of a slump. Me and Ross together, I felt like. Mm-hmm. You know? And it, it was like, I messed up, and then I gave him a chance, and then he didn't do good. Yeah. It just, it wasn't good for both of us, you know? And, and then finally, like I said, then we got what we called. I felt like it was just something we had to push through. That there wasn't really nothing no one could do for us or tell us. I think it's more or less something you have to do on your own. Yeah. I think uh, Caesar once described it as quicksand for me and it is like like. you just the harder you fight the harder the harder it sucks you down (laughs) and it's it's... well that setup in general honestly it's the nfr so there's a lot of things going through your mind but that setup should be the easiest setup of the year i feel like because the start's super short as long as the steer goes you can go right behind him rope the horns you don't have to reach if you get the right start Mm -hmm. and it'd be easy for us but just like when something like that happens, like mine and Ross's finals in 21, um, you can you can get to fight your head so much and make it way harder than it really is. We're going to take a break to talk to you about Gold Buckle Horse Sale, the presenting sponsor of today's episode of The Score. Years of experience have taught the Gold Buckle Horse Sale team that buying the right horse can really be tricky. From looks, demeanor, soundness, temperament, athleticism, to overall mind, there are a lot of factors that go into finding the right horse for you. Goldbuckle has come up with a process to take the guesswork out of finding the right horse. Each Goldbuckle certified horse is photographed and videoed professionally, as well as previewed and tested by a Goldbuckle pro. Now here is the process. Consigners submit an application to be in the Goldbuckle online sale. This application will be reviewed by their pro panel, and you'll be contacted by a Goldbuckle pro. Once that horse is approved, consigners will complete the intake form and pay the listing fee. At that time, your Goldbuckle Pro will be setting up your demo and photographing and videoing the horse. 
consigners will be given a day, time, and location for their horse to be previewed by that gold buckle pro in the area. The horse will be professionally photographed, and the preview will be videoed. The pro will talk through their checklist of items, such as talking about the horse's overall appearance, any blemishes they might have. They'll pick up all four feet, they'll saddle the horse, they'll put the bridle on, and they'll show the horse's overall demeanor. The Gold Buckle Pro will also ride each horse to give you and potential buyers their first impressions and overall opinions. So you will have an unbiased third-party evaluation and impression. Once all forms, photos, and videos are received, Gold Buckle will then confirm your sale dates and get them listed on the site. Gold Buckle provides seven days of constant advertising and marketing for each horse, which is done prior to and throughout the sale. Once the sale is complete, you will be presented with the highest live money bid on your horse. From there, you and the buyer will arrange transportation for the horse. Each horse comes with 30 days of mortality insurance to protect buyers in case something happens. You can learn more about the Gold Buckle horse sale process and find out about upcoming sales at goldbucklehorsesale.com. Now, this year, is it going to be transmission or is it going to be Joe? No, it's going to be transmission. Sure. And I'm going to take Joe with me, but as long as Tranny stays rocking and rolling and yeah. stays around, I'm going to be on him. And Joe was great all year, though. Talk about Joe. When? <coughs> why did you yep. choose Joe when you could have, you know, there's lots of head horses for sale. Well, not lots of great ones, but Joe was the best one on the market, apparently, at the time. Tell me why Joe. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe, I'd seen J.D. riding for a few years, and uh, every time I seen him, that sucker scored and could haul butt. And uh, I was like, golly, man, I want that horse. I was drooling over him pretty much. And I would ask J.D. every time I seen him, he's like, no, he ain't for sale and this and that. And uh, So, like I said, I just, I guess him scoring and, and running like he did, it was like, He's, he's in my eyes, he was the best one. And, and right now, still in my eyes, he's the best one. I don't think I've ever rode a horse that good in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I say that about a lot of them, but I've been fortunate <laughs> to own several great horses. And, uh, but anyway, Joe, he, he's been absolutely amazing to rodeo on. And I, and I knew he would be, I mean, he's tough. Uh, like I said, he does a job every single time. He don't ever try to take any shortcuts and gives it all he's got every time i wrote him i wrote him i tell you what i wrote transmission at uh all the buildings except for houston mm-hmm. and i took joe to i actually took joe to san angelo as well i was just curious to see what he would do in that little building you know yeah mm-hmm. and he was hand, he was hands down great i mean yeah just like he would be outside but he was in that little old tight setup and uh but after that i literally rode joe every steer all summer long so what um what is JV doing? Is JV going to be a is JV going to be a backup horse for next year? What what's he what's he up to? Yep, yep. You know I I rode JV pretty hard uh, a couple years ago and then took him and hauled him around, rode him some last year, and uh, he's he's fourteen. He'll be fifteen this year, and I felt like I had Joe, and I knew I was going to be wanting to ride him pretty much everywhere. So. I decided to give JV the summer off or the year off pretty much. Mm-hmm. He's been here at the house, just turned out hanging out. And, uh, I actually have a, I have a good buddy. That's a, a number four that likes to rope every now and then. And he come by the house during the summer and he would ride JV. He wanted to rope on something. I'm like, man, JV's in the pasture. Get him up. I knew he wouldn't run but four or five steers. Sure. I said, get JV up, ride him. And so he actually rode him a handful of times 
and he loved him. And uh, but I got shoes put back on him the other day, and uh, we've been exercising him. And I plan on I plan on riding this summer. I feel like uh, I'm gonna ride him and Joe this coming summer quite a bit. Well, that's funny. First, like, there's a couple funny things to that. One thing is that people tell me that, like, that horse looks tough or or that even that Trevor's horses in general might look tough or they can be. So I guess a number four going and catching JV out of the pasture and having a nice time heading on him. And and that's what Trevor always said, that JV, for as big and racy as he was, was so easy and so talented. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he, he definitely is. I feel like JV knows – he just knows the difference, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, when I back him in there at the rodeo, he knows that we're not just running to the back end. Yeah. He knows that it's business time. Uh, yeah, he does look like, you know, he, he's a little tough to ride. But he don't ever really do anything, like, as far as dropping a little bit. It ain't like a, you stand up the throw and he takes your drill away. He's yeah. not going to drag his leg and come back until yes you hit the horns. Hey, yeah, you better be aggressive at that point. But that's just him doing his job. Because, I mean, like I said, my buddy's a number four. He don't ever hardly get the rope. And then he can come here and get on him. And JV would just run right up there, stay with the steer, do whatever he wants him to do. So I think that he just knows the difference, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if it was if it was at that point, I would be done with him, whatever we'd retire him. But I just felt like a summer or a year off wasn't going to hurt him. Yeah. And give him a little refresher for the, the coming year. That's good. And then – he is – is he a maternal or a paternal sibling to Winner's version? Or, yes, they are. They're, they yeah. are full, full siblings. Which is crazy. Which yep. what – like, I mean, I think when we first started writing about JV, we mentioned that he was related to Winner's version, but maybe people didn't really know who Winner's version was up until right. last week. <laughs> And now, yeah, no kidding, now I would think people, if you're paying even a little bit of attention, you know who Winner's version is. Did you watch? Um, did you watch that sale? Is that unreal or what? Holy cow! <laughs> That's gonna be cool. And they announced today that they're actually gonna send it. So, and if anybody's listening and doesn't know what we're talking about, uh, Trevor and Miles and Melanie and Ty at Solo Select just sold. Uh, a son of Winner's version named Blackout to Victory Farms at the Pink Buckle sale uh, for $875,000. And they actually, I don't know if you saw, they announced today that they're going to syndicate that stud. Um, really? Yeah, 50000 a slot. They're going to syndicate him. Um, 19 slots available, which actually we're talking at 2.10 p.m. They announced that at like 5 a.m. this morning. So there's a very good chance that there aren't any more slots left by the time anybody yeah. listens to this episode. Um, They're probably all gone. Yeah. Now, you don't, you don't have any winner's versions in your up-and-coming fraternity string, right? Not yet. Not I yet. have some inside some mares right now. Me too. I'm very excited. Uh, I was like, I've been trying. I tried last year to get me some, and mm-hmm. it didn't work out. I couldn't get them, couldn't get them to take, and uh, so we just pushed it off till this year. Yeah. And uh, I got some mares bred to him. Which mares did you breed to him? Um, I know. This I got is some driftwood question. mares, actually. Nice. Uh, That'll be cool. Driftwood. One of them, let's see, a driftwood. And then one's a uh, own daughter to Denaro. So Ooh. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what it's like. I bred um, Hope Thompson's Super Chrome Ink, the black, that's the yeah. Starlight Gypsy to him. So I'm excited about that. Sweet, sweet. What, um... 
what futurity horse what up and coming what are your next great ones clint what are you thinking is going to be you know that you're going to be seasoning with the jackpots next year um for next year i don't really know uh no, for the next couple of years, I got a couple that will be sick. They're six this year, and they'll get showed at this maturity, and uh, they'll go into the, the jackpot and rodeo string, and I have high hopes for them, uh, which is Step in Small Town that Trevor's got right now. And then uh, I have one as well here at the house, Sorrel, that I rode last year, and I'll show him this year as well. Uh, tough Spook. You were in two horses. Were you third on that one last year? What? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was. I forgot all but, about it because I haven't seen it at the futurities because you've been rodeoing. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. Mm-hmm. And I told Trevor that through the summer. I said, I don't know what I was thinking. I hauled that horse around all summer with me, just, you know, taking him up to the rodeos and tying him up by the boxes and all that stuff during the purse, just letting him see things. And uh, I said, I should have just left him with you and let you show him. And he said, yeah, you should have. I just, I didn't think nothing about it. Yeah. Uh, I knew I was going to show him at Fort Worth, and uh, that horse is really, really good. He's He's got a lot of run, and he, he can do the deal. But I'm excited to have him and uh, Step in Small Town in my string. I think I think them two there will be pretty great rodeo horses. Yeah, Kobe especially. Kobe's pretty realistic, yep. I feel like. Yeah. Yep, yep. I like Kobe a lot. Uh, like I said, I'm going to pick him up. And when we leave the show at, at Fort Worth, He'll actually come home with me. Oh, that's exciting. Yep. Yep. So he's fixing to go to work full time. Heck yeah. Very cool. Well, the last thing I want to talk to you about is how has fatherhood changed things for you this oh, year? Man. <laughs> Not much sleep is all I can say. <laughs> I didn't know I could function on such less sleep. I ain't gonna lie about that. Okay. It's been great. Yeah. It's been it's been great. He uh the older he gets, the more and more personality he gets, obviously, and it's it's pretty dang fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it changed it changed our life completely. Um, I don't know, you always you're in a, I don't feel like you're ever ready for any of it, but you just have to adapt and and go along and and uh, figure everything out. But you know, he's he's been a blessing for sure. Uh, he dang sure makes you look at life a lot different. Yeah, for sure. Well, okay, I said this was the last thing, but I always do this. You said something about not a lot of sleep. I feel like you might, I don't know, do you win the award for the least sleep in all of professional rodeo because you will not get on an airplane? <laughs> Maybe. I'm pretty lucky, though, Brittany, and uh, her dad actually went with us a lot this summer, and uh, so they helped me drive quite a bit, so I, I don't have to drive too, too much, but... Uh, yeah, I probably do win that award. I'm gonna say. Can we? I just like it. Can we talk like about why? Drive. Because that's it is a little weird. <clears throat> I just like going in my own rig. I like taking my own horses. Uh, obviously, I could probably send another rig with my horse and then fly over there. But I don't like flying. I just I don't like it. I used to fly quite a bit and had a had a bad experience one time. And I was flying around up there and there, and I told myself, I said, Lord. If you'll get me out of this airplane and just let me get on the ground, I won't ever get up here again. <laughs> and uh, and I got down, and I felt like, you know what? I made it out of that one time. I'm just going to drive from here on out. Do you think that God's going to hold that promise, like hold you to that promise? Or? I don't know. You know, the, <laughs> the, more, the longer it gets, uh, the more I feel like I want to fly. 
I don't I don't feel like I'll ever uh, commercial again, just because I don't like being on there with all them people. Mm-hmm. But uh, <clears throat> I do feel like that I will probably fly a charter or something like that. A little bougie like, real. Yeah, I do. I do feel like I'm I'm enough confident now. Like if I get on there and I could at least talk to the pilots and stuff, I'd be okay. Do you, have you seen that like? No, I'm sure you haven't because you hadn't seen the Roman Empire thing. There's like a TikTok series where you ask guys if they think they could land the airplane and like 99% of the guys are like, oh, yeah, I could definitely land it if I had to. Like, do you think that if it got real sketchy on a charter flight that you could be like, hey, I got this? I don't know. I don't know if I could or not. I remember what that feeling was like when I was headed down that one time. Oh, well. I it ain't nothing to play with. I'm glad that you are safe and on land for now. I get told all the time I got to learn to fly again, and I feel like I feel like I'm probably going to have to eventually. Yeah, I don't really want to, but I feel like there's going to come a time I'm probably just going to get on and go. At some point, yeah, maybe. Like I, yeah. I really did think at like at least that last two weeks of the season when things were a little crazy that you were going to have to fly. I and did then too, and, you and did I made it. up my mind because I, I I know a guy or two with a plane. I, I kept telling myself, if it comes down to it, I'm just gonna have to do something. I don't know if they got a drug or something I can take, but I'm I'm getting on and I'm going because I'm not. I done I've done did all this this year. I'm not messing up and not gonna be able to go just because I didn't get on an airplane. Um. Okay. Real quick. Again, one more thing. That last couple yeah. weeks of the season. Nobody yeah. wants it to come down to that. But what no, was your don't. what was your mindset? I mean, you said like with, as far as reaching, you were going to have to have a little muscle memory, everything. But like yep. that whole last month, did you uh, never? The whole last month yeah. was man. It was like it's like nothing I've ever went through before. Because the last two times I made it, yeah, I didn't go in number one, but we pretty much had the finals made before the last month. Yeah, and so. Yeah, obviously you want to keep winning, but we went, we weren't in a spot where we had to win. And I knew that I had a great chance. And I knew that I had to win at Pendleton. I knew I had to win at, Ab- at Abilene for some more points to get into Sioux Falls. Because at that point, I knew that that rodeo was going to be, that was going to be the kicker that got me in. Or, you know, if I didn't get in there, I had no chance. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much knew, hey, listen, you got to be on top of your game. I mean, you, you go have to turn steers for money. You can't do nothing stupid. Somehow you, you mean, there's no messing up at this point. If you do, you're done. And, uh, I just feel like I had to be more focused than I ever have in my life. Uh, normally I like to shoot the crap a little bit and sit around and there was none, there was none of that going on. I didn't feel like this past month it was, it was all business and, and, it was good, too, because I feel like, in a way, I learned a lot from it, too, Chelsea, because mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, I've, I've gotten more and more comfortable all year long heading anyway. Mm-hmm. I just feel like it's the more I've headed at the rodeos, I've got where I'm more and more comfortable. But just like the deal at Sioux Falls, I don't feel like if I would have, if I didn't, if I didn't put myself in that position where I had to do that, who knows if I would have ever opened on up and did it, if yes. that makes sense to you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I might have just stayed with my norm, the same old deal I've been doing, and it might have took longer. Well, I might have got put I might have got put in that position for a reason. 
is the way I'm, is the way I look at it. Yeah. You know, uh, because I've been doing the same old thing, same old thing. Well, maybe there was a reason I got put in that position because it was wanting me to open up and you know do what I, what I'm able to do. Yeah, I I will remember like running off the VIP deck which I'm not saying VIP deck because I was baller. I'm saying running – that was where they had the press. <laughs> so I'm running out the hallway and, like, almost getting run over by Jake, who was also running at you, yeah. like, running on the rubber mats down through the hallway in this – He was coming. He was coming and out. We were – I was sprinting out behind him <laughs> by the time yeah. because we were so excited for you. That was just – like, you had your family there. You had – It was a cool feeling yes. because – I mean, we weren't the only ones. It was neat because, I mean, there was dang calf ropers. There was bulldoggers. There was people from every event watching to see what happened yes. with us. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And, like, I remember going out the back, and Haven, he's sitting over there, and he hollers at me. Uh, Will Loomis and them guys, they seen it. They, You know, they were all pumped for us. It was, it was a pretty cool feeling. You know, we were all on edge, and. Everybody was wanting to see what happened, and it was that was dang sure fun. And like we talked about after, it wasn't like you had to go out there and catch. Like, those guys could have been easier on you, really. Heck no. When I backed in there uh, before I went in the box, well, T-Wade then went 3-7, and three, then seven. Coleman right before me goes 3-4, and I know in my head, hey, you got to win second or better. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But then I'm like, another side of me kicks in. I'm like, all right, 3-7. That's, you know, that's doable. Yeah. And so it was kind of the same day, same deal. Don't make a mistake. And you, this, this is your chance. Either you do it or you don't. Uh-huh. I I have chills right now thinking about it because I, I, I can't – I always – I have a problem of rooting for everybody all the time, and I just want everybody to do their best and have fun. Yeah, no, I but. do too, honestly. <laughs> I, I don't want nobody to do bad. Yeah, but, but I was – yeah. At that point, it's like, hey, I somehow – I got to beat one of you. I don't, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I got to do something here. Oh, uh, that was so exciting. It really was. It was like, it, I don't know. It, it felt like the 10th round of the NFR just because it meant so much to, to get back there. It, it did. That's probably, uh, this trip will definitely, I think so far it's going to be the most special one just because of the way it all happened. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty cool. I, I, I don't know. It was a fun deal. And for some reason I had, I felt like I had a lot of confidence, and I don't. I don't know if maybe it's because I knew, hey, either you do it or, you, or you, you're not going to make it. One of the two. Yeah, it was so going to be over like, either way. It was either over or you was making it. One yep. of the two. And uh, I felt like the last. I don't know how many steers I turned. Quite a few there at the end, and you know, it always goes through your mind. It's like, man, surely we got another one in. Surely we got another. Because at some point in statistics. You're going to mess up at some point. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, I just hope it ain't this one. But then <laughs> as Sue falls, it never really like, it never really and truly like crossed my mind like that. It was like confidence. Like, I know that we're fixing to do good here. We just got to get it over with. Mm-hmm. And we got to beat 3.7 seconds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Now, I don't know, have you asked Trevor about Wishbone for Vegas at all? I mean, Wishbone's pretty decent in the Thomas and Matt. Yeah, he's pretty decent. decent. Uh, actually, it's funny that you just said that because I didn't tell you that a while ago. <laughs> that was part of our conversation earlier. That's uh, funny. I actually talked about Wishbone, and he might be with us over there. I hope so. I hope so. I I do like that horse. I've always liked him. I can still remember being a kid 
and I, I don't remember exactly what round it was, but Trevor backed him in the first time, and I watched him go, and he, he made a really good run. I was like, man, that horse is awesome. And I was just a kid at home. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, because think, Trevor's now, that you know, old, yes. Uh-huh. Yes, he's that old. Because he's that he's old. old mm-hmm. But it's pretty cool, though, that, that little – because that little horse of my eyes was a great one, too. Mm-hmm. Um, to know that here I am in 2023 fixing to go to the finals and – and there's a chance, you know, that he's going, that he might would get rode there. Yep, absolutely. Well, I have told you that was the last thing like four times now, so I will let you go and get back to your day of practicing. But thank you, Clint. I appreciate it. I appreciate you. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, see Bye. You. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of The Score. Thank you to my producer, Craig, of the Money Barrel podcast. He is the uh, producer and editor of that podcast. If you do like barrel racing, uh, and Clint and I talk a little bit about winner's version in today's episode. Um, we've got a full episode on the new owner of Blackout, the, the $875,000 two-year-old son of winner's version over at the Money Barrel. So, Thank you to my crew who make this happen each and every week. To Taylor at the Short Score. She's got lots of good stuff for you uh, more often than I do over here at the Score. So thank you to Taylor. Thank you to Craig. And thank you all for listening. And thank you to our sponsors at Gold Buckle Horse Sales.